he's doing things no one has ever done, which sounds, oh, this is amazing, but it's not something to necessarily be proud of. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What is going on, everybody? This is the latest episode of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. This is Nathan, and of course, we have Nick with us as well. What's going on, my man? Not a whole lot. Getting ready to celebrate our nation's birthday. July 4th is coming around the corner. With that in mind, we have a famous hot dog eating contest coming up. That's the first thing we're going to start with, Nathan. What are we going to look at with this hot dog eating contest? We're first going to look at how this fantastic event was named after, you know, yours truly right here. Um, Just kidding. But that's probably the motivation behind this right now, just to change it up a little bit. But of course, it bears my name. So we have to talk about this. So we're going to jump into this. I've this is something that I watch annually. I mean, I'm I'm all in. I love this thing. Um, I always turn it on. I remember uh, <laughs> uh, my dad would hate me watching it because it's would disgust him, but <laughs> I I love it. It's fun, uh, probably because I get to see my name everywhere. But uh, there's this uh, you know defending champ for like the last who knows how many years, and Joey Chestnut who keeps beating his record basically on an annual basis. So what Nick and I are gonna do? We're gonna give you our guesses of. Will Joey Chestnut defend his title? If he'll lose, who the winner will be. But if he wins, um, how many hot dogs will he eat? Will the world record be broken? So, Nick, we'll, we'll start with you. All right. So, Joey Chestnut, so he'd be my favorite to win it. Last year, he won it by about 30 hot dogs. I believe he's going to win it again this year. He's only going to beat the record by, not to say only by two is a big deal, because eating 77 hot dogs in 10 minutes is very impressive, but I believe he went, he does break the record just by a few. I'm going to say 77 hot dogs is what Joey Chestnut eats at this hot dog eating contest. What do you have, Nathan? Well, I was going to guess that, but since I gave you the reins here, I'll get, let you have 77. I think I'm going to go one less. I'm going to go 76. He, he lately he's been, looks like he's just been beating it by one hot dog and I was going to give him two here, but we're going to stick with one. Um, Joy Chestnut wins defense's title, 76 hot dogs, continues this amazing, unhuman streak of eating. I saw him chug a two liter Dr. Pepper in like 10 seconds on TikTok a while ago. It's just, this guy is not human. He's built differently. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, very impressive what he's done. Now let's jump to the women's side. This year, the women's side, Mickey Sudo has won it the last few years. She's a seven time winner. Unfortunately, she's sitting out this year because of pregnancy. Set the world record last year with 48 and a half hot dogs. With her being out, Nathan, what do you think happens? Does someone beat the world record or does someone fall short of it? Where do you have that? Yeah, this is going to be a very uh, 
I think, a very disappointing competition. I'm just not looking forward to it because she's not going to be in it. And I wish her the best and congratulate congratulate her on her baby. But it's just not going to be the same without her. I'm going to say the winner is probably going to be around 32 hot dogs would be my guess. Did you have a similar guess or did you have something a little different? Yeah, it's no, I had probably 30s as well. I'm going to go 35. I'll give it a, I'll, I'll, I'll add a little more because it, it just seems people improve in this event every single year. It's not like it's just kind of hovering over something and the winter changes. It's like. This is a maybe something that's a little bit newer to us, and we're developing new ways of how we can just chug more food down our throats in a, in a quicker manner. I don't know how to say that any more eloquently than I did. So I feel like every year people find new and different ways to be able to just unhealthily eat hot dogs. And so I think the I think the winner will not beat 48, but will be in the mid 30s. So I'll, I'll pick 35. Now moving on in. Our program here we're going to jump into real quick before we look at an afc north preview we're going to go into nathan has a hot take about the nba playoffs how it's going on so give us your thoughts on that nathan yeah so nick and i we just decided that you know i don't know if we'll do this every episode but there's just so much going on in sports that we have opinions on that we just like to give a quick let's say reality check to everybody so there's so here's my little hot take that I think we all just need to take a step back and take a deep breath on. And I've just been seeing everywhere that Ty Lue is the best coach in basketball. Yes, Ty Lue has adjusted well. Yes, he's been able to come back from multiple series, being down multiple games, and which is which is good. He, he adjusts well. Um, that's... I do give him credit for that. I know I've been harsh on him, but he, he came down from 1-3 with the Cavs in the NBA Finals several years ago and won that. Um, he's been down several times, um, 0-2 the first series, 0-2 in the second series, 1-3 against the Suns. But the, the issue I have here, did, did Phil Jackson ever, ever have to come back from several 0-2 deficits in a playoff? No. Did um, Pat Riley, did Steve Kerr, um, some of the good coaches in the NBA today? Like, the answer to that is no. Like, we can't sit here and say, oh, the best coach is Ty Lue when he has gone the first two games of the playoffs, lost to the Dallas Mavericks at home, had a fight back from an 0-2 deficit. Okay, well, we figured things out, right? Next series will be more prepared. Nope. We fall down 0-2 to the Utah Jazz. Okay, next series, we'll, okay, we'll, we figure that out. Next series, we'll, we'll be prepared better. Nope, fall down 0-2 to the Phoenix Suns. It's just, they're the first team ever to go three straight series being down 0-2. So Ty Lue has the record for being the first to ever come back from a 1-3 deficit to win NBA Finals, be the first coach to be down 0-2 in three straight series, and be the first coach to coach a team to to lose basically all of their home games in a playoff series until game seven. Those aren't things to be proud of. You don't want to be coming back from 1-3. You don't want to be coming back from 0-2. You don't want to be losing on your home court in the playoffs. Yes, they're in the conference finals because he's really good at making adjustments, but that doesn't mean you're a great coach or the best coach in the NBA because you do that. If you're If you're that good, prepare better. And don't get off of these 0-2 starts and 1-3 starts. I mean, this is historically, did this in Cleveland, he's doing it now. 
Like he's doing things no one has ever done, which sounds, oh, this is amazing, but it's not something to necessarily be proud of, in my opinion. So he's a good coach, not a great coach. Nate McMillan, Monty Williams. I like those guys. I really like those guys. Phoenix has gone from the worst team to the best team in just a couple of years in the NBA. And I think they're going to win the NBA Finals. Right, Nate McMillan took a 11-seed Hawks, turned them around or 27-11, and looked like he's on his way to the NBA Finals. Those are great coaches. They prepare well, and they adjust well. They don't just do one of those. So that is my hot take. Everyone take a deep breath. Ty Lue is not the best coach in the NBA. He's not even top five. He's above average. I might put him in the top 10 on a good day. What is your hot take? I think everyone needs to step away from the LeBron punch bowl of all these injuries are occurring because of the short turnaround of the NBA season. Great point was brought up by a radio host that the NBA had four months off during the pandemic and then they started the bubble. After the bubble, they did take a few months off and a lot of players do this load management and there are some injuries that probably could have been wear and tear but the majority of our stars that are injured during this playoff run which has been disappointing which has taken a step back from the playoffs i would say most of them not all of them but most of them have been in-game incidences Giannis goes down through a freak rebound like the guys were coming down for a rebound his knee gets hyperextended a few nights ago trey young takes a few steps back hits the ref's foot hurts his ankle Kawhi Leonard in the middle of playing a game. No one's confirmed this, but the rumor is blew out his knee. So when LeBron comes out and says all these injuries are happening because of the quick turnaround, I don't know that I buy into that as much because most of the ones that have happened in the playoffs, Kyrie's injury even, have been within the game. Things that would happen no matter how much time you had off because of just those circumstances. Now, I'm not trainer i'm not a doctor that can tell you all that muscle tissue is true but the Giannis, the Kyrie, the trey youngs for sure those injuries are just within the game those are things that just happen within the game even in bead's injury in the series where we thought he tore his meniscus or he had a slight tear to it and thought he was going to be out like those were just things that happen within the game happens all the time in nfl games so my big take is Injuries do happen, and it's unfortunate that they happen with the big names, but I don't know that it's the turnaround, LeBron. That's my take. At the end of the day, their job is to play basketball. That's my opinion. We all have to work extra hours some days, no matter what our career is. So, yeah, that's a really good take. So, anyways, it's it's July, which means next month begins one of the most spectacular sporting events seasons that we get to look forward to, and that's football both NFL and college but today we're going to start our marathon analysis of the 2021 NFL season and so how we're going to do this is every every episode until the NFL begins we're going to break down each division and um and we're just going to talk about each team talk about some of the things they've done this offseason um, and then based off that, we're going to kind of forecast how we think they're going to do this year. And then at the end, we're going to kind of give you our rundown of who's going to get first, second, third, fourth in each division. And we're going to we're going to base, you know, off the over unders at this point in the season. If we think they're going to go over or under those said wins that uh, Vegas has right now. So we're going to start with 
I would say the hometown division, and that is the AFC North. So, Nick, start us off. Well, to start off the AFC North, I'm just going to start with last year's division winner. Last year's division winner was the Pittsburgh Steelers by the skin of their teeth. This team came out a surprising 11-0, to say the least, and then whimpered into the whimpered out of the playoffs. Last season, beginning of the season, when they were healthy, defense looked great, only allowed 312 points. They had, it seemed like, a lot of things going their way and just people found their holes. And of all teams to find their holes was the Washington football team. This started just this downward trend. But let's focus on this season now. Things they lost that were big. They lost the running back, Connor, which I don't, I think they get an addition by this subtraction by drafting Najee Harris. I think Najee Harris is going to give them a back that's going to be out there more. Even though Connor did play 13 of the 16 games last season, it was a banged up 13 games that he was there. Najee's coming in with fresh legs. They like to rotate their backfield. So I think that'll give them a slight boost in what they need because, quite honestly, even though Big Ben wants to be that older uncle that still goes out to Turkey Bowl games and slings it all over the field, I just don't think his arm's going to withstand it. I towards the end of the season he just wasn't looking sharp he's he needs to understand that he needs to pull back a little bit he did have 3,800 yards an extra game this season I think they're going to need to depend more on that running game for them to have any kind of long-term success a lot of offensive line shifts going on with them so I'm not sure that they've addressed everything they needed in the offseason but I mean what team do you ever feel like truly does unless they already won a Super Bowl or were in contention for a Super Bowl? So for the Steelers, it's a lot of turnover. Mike Tomlin is a great, is a very good coach in the NFL. He always manages to have a winning season. So that's always something I have to keep in mind when looking at this team. But my biggest question mark is, can you pull the reins away from Big Ben and let him share the ball, so to speak? Like, let's depend on this run game a little bit more if you want to see success for the Pittsburgh Steelers. What's your take on them, Nathan? I think I think the Steelers are fantastic. Well, I want to say fantastic. I think they're a really good football team. I mean, they don't you don't just go eleven and zero and be a terrible team. I think they hit a lot of bumps along the road towards the end with uh, injuries and some. I guess there's some drama in a sense with like the juju situation and dancing on logos and just a lot of distractions off the field. And, and injuries that just kind of derailed them drastically. And so I, I feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers are still a really good team. And I think they really addressed the needs that they had to. Really, when Dupree, he was just a, a force and just say an important role in that defense. When he when he got hurt along with their other injuries and obviously the off-the-field issues, it just derailed them. But that doesn't mean they're a bad team. I think Mike Tomlin's a great coach. He always has a winning record. He's never not had a winning record in Pittsburgh. And I don't think that's going to change because I think they got the perfect guy to fill in that spot. And that's Najee Harris. And he's going to be a great running back for them. Obviously, they're going to have healthy guys back. Uh, so, and it's and it's not the toughest division. I think I think it's 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 a pretty good division, but it's not the toughest. I think it's it's doable for them. So. I don't think they're going to be as bad as what people are projecting. I don't think they're going to win it per se, but um, they're still a really good football team. So that's kind of my take on Pittsburgh. What's your what's your take on the, the next team? All right, the next team we're going to look at, the second team in the division, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, um, Nathan and I have had our conversations about this team. 
about trying to find their identity, namely their quarterback shaking off being a running back that's a quarterback. I, I understand he has better passing numbers than any running back could have. It's the fact that a lot of his game seems to have to depend on that rushing attack, primarily his rushing attack or his ability to rush being successful to have the openings he needs to hit passes. I, I will grant him every year he does get better. Lamar Jackson does improve each season with his passing numbers to some degree, but when it comes to playoff time, regular season, the Ravens do well. The Ravens match up well. They are well-coached, just like the team we just talked about in the Steelers, a well-coached team. They seem to have game plans that keep their teams in it. Rarely do you see them getting blown out. He's in the right system to be in a competitive game, which when you're in a competitive game and you have an athlete like Lamar Jackson, that's how you get some of those wins or get some of those wild plays because everyone's trying not to make that mistake. Coming into this season, the big thing that everyone felt like they needed to address was the wide receiving core, which yes and no. Um, we We have our opinions on if that's what you needed to or not. It seemed like a lot of turnover in the offensive line as well. They traded away a few pieces. Your Dolphins claimed a few of their pieces actually as well. So what does it look like this year? Are we evolving the system or are we just going to have the same thing rolling out? Because if you have the same thing rolling out each season, teams in the NFL are going to adapt. And they are trying to address the wide receivers. The big thing is, are you going to get evolved play from your quarterback? And that's always the question mark for me with this team. Every year, I think they're going to drop a little bit. And I do think there is going to be a slight drop from what they do. I mean, this team, this team, the last few seasons has been 10 plus win teams. I don't think it's going to be a huge drop, but I do think there will be a slight drop in what they've been seeing the last few years. They always seem to find people and they get the most out of their players. So they're not going to be dropping off. And like you said, with the Steelers, this division, I don't think is a gauntlet per se. So them having a decent season isn't out of the question. What's your take from them? I think we all know my take on the, the Baltimore Ravens. They are the they are they're the Philadelphia 76ers of the NFL. So Philadelphia, their guy, their their man, the point guard, right, the leader of the team. He just he can't shoot. He can't shoot the ball. And you can't expect to go deep into the playoffs with your number one guy or your leader of your team not able to shoot the basketball, shoot free throws. Same thing with football. Lamar Jackson, he can't throw the football. He can't. He can't fit in tight windows. He can't take those risks and and carry that team down on, on his shoulders down the field when he needs to with his arm. He can with his legs, right? Ben Simmons can carry his team defensively. He can make some great passes, but he, he can't shoot the ball, and that's that's a huge liability as a point guard. And as a basketball player, as a quarterback, if you can't throw the ball, you're a liability. Yeah, you can win some games with your legs and you can win some games with your great defense and the great coaching, just like Philadelphia has the best defense in the league, one of the best coaches in, in the league, but they lose in the second round. Why? Their leader can't shoot the ball. Baltimore, you know, it's like, will they make the playoffs? I think so. I think they're a very talented team. Great coach. Just a sound system, but the, but your leader, your quarterback, can't throw the ball. So maybe win a playoff game at best, just like last year, and that that's who they are. Like that's who the 76ers are. That's who ah, the Milwaukee Bucks are. Like I don't see them making title runs, being contenders year after year after year. They're gonna be a one and done 
kind of playoff team. And I think that's what you're going to get with Baltimore if Lamar Jackson's at quarterback. You know, it's you're going to win games because they're deep, well-coached team. But uh, a playoff run, Super Bowl contenders, just they're never going to be that as long as Lamar Jackson continues to throw the ball like he does. So that's kind of my take. Yeah, they got some wide receivers. They drafted one. But if your quarterback can't throw the ball, what does it matter? So that's kind of my quick take on that. So I think the next team is the Cleveland Browns, Nick. What's your take on that? Cleveland Browns, uh, this division is interesting. You have the first two coaches we talked about who have been in their positions for 10-plus years, and these next two teams we have are coaches that have been in their positions for less than three years at this point. Kevin Stavansky came in the Cleveland Browns with hopes, dreams that uh, last year the Browns did very well, made the playoffs, had a winning season. For them, it was a great refreshing step to see them forward and the hope they had with the young players they had going on with their roster. A lot of people are really high on them coming in this season. And for me, just because of being in the area and just being exposed to Cleveland Browns as long as we have in our lifetimes, it just, I come in cautious, cautiously optimistic that they can do well or have similar success to what they did before. Everyone questions Baker Mayfield, but it's really like, how well are we going to adjust to the people we've lost this last season? How well are we going to integrate the new people? Like, how well is he going to do with this last? They didn't really have much of an offseason last season. So how well is Kevin going to do in getting this team, his soldiers, ready to go? They added some people in different positions. Some of them I question, like Malik Jackson, Davian Clowney. Those are individuals that haven't always been the healthiest. So were those the best additions? I understand cap situations may have only allowed them to be that only situation. So I think they have pieces there. They feel like on the defensive side, a thin team that injury or two is really going to curve or change the trajectory of how the season is going to go for them. They don't have that depth or that continuity build up to be able to endure an injury or two here and there. It seems like on looking at the roster on paper, and that's my concern about them is, can they fulfill expectations or build on the success they had the last season is the question at hand. What's your take, Nathan? I am typically the worst Cleveland hater, doubter that's ever walked this earth. But this year is the first year where I'm actually very high on Cleveland. I think it's it's tough to be given their history and, um, you, know, you know, really historically only Cleveland Cleveland fans have been high on Cleveland, but people, non-Cleveland fans are starting to be high on Cleveland, and I think that says a lot. And there are people that are cautiously optimistic like you or who are still denying that they're any good. But I saw them beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh in a playoff game. Like Cleveland winning in Pittsburgh was just as likely as Giannis making a free throw. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it just doesn't happen. It's so, but when they did it in the last game of the season, they beat Pittsburgh and then they go to Pittsburgh, the first round of playoffs and beat them there again. It's already hard to win back to back games against the same opponent in the NFL to do it on their turf to, on your biggest rival who has owned you year after year after year. When big Ben has had the most wins in that Cleveland Brown stadium, than any other Cleveland Browns quarterback until Baker Mayfield finally got it. Like, that's huge. That's huge for that franchise. And then they gave Kansas City a big run. So so just looking at that, I'm high on Cleveland. So I'm like, okay, let's see what they do in this offseason. 
They got a steal in the draft with that first-round quarter cornerback out of Northwestern. Totally got him as a steal. Sure up that other side of defensive back, which they, they which they were a little weak. They signed Clowney to fill up that defensive line, which was a little weak. Like they needed that defense, and they did everything they needed to. I think this team's great. I love where they're going. I'm not cautiously optimistic. I am confidently optimistic this team will do well this year. So now let's jump to Cincinnati. Yes, the LSU. I mean the Cincinnati Bengals has famously drafted Joe Burrow last season, who started off very well, but didn't have the offensive line to protect him. This this offseason, they drafted Jamar Chase, which we both heralded as a good decision for them to have that chemistry. They also added, during the offseason, Thaddeus Moss, a tight end. They claimed him off waivers, so that's why I kind of have that LSU Tigers joke there. The Cincinnati Bengals, still a team in rebuild. I don't know how much longer they're going to give Zach Taylor, though, the reins for that, or will they start to grow tired of not seeing production from the team in terms of a winning environment? I just I don't think they've added enough to kind of come from being the team that still needs to be on the uprise, that needs to keep ascending, that keep improving. I, don't, I think they have a lot more pieces missing than the other three teams in this division, so I'm not too high on them going into this season, but we'll get into that with the wins and losses part when we get to that. What's your take on the Bengals? Yeah, I like your little joke to the LSU Tigers. Maybe if they uh, get rid of Zach Taylor, they'll bring uh, Ed. Ed and the head coach of the – I can't pronounce his last name, but the head coach of LSU Tigers, maybe he'll come and coach the the Bengals. Similar mascots too. But uh, here I think they got talent. I just don't like their coach. I I think they should have moved on from him last year. I, I felt like they didn't sure up that offensive line like they should have. I think they did pick a good pick with Jamar Chase, but they just didn't fill in positions that I felt like that that needed to be. I'm just not a big Zach Taylor fan. Um, I think they should have took year two, which is a pivotal year for a rookie quarterback, especially coming off the ACL, just with a guy that is more comfortable with him. Um, I just don't. I don't see this team having a good year, to be honest with you. And it has nothing to do with the players. I just think the coaching. It's all in the coaching. And so I have this be one of the more disappointing teams this year. And because um, I know they have high expectations, but I think we just look at players when we make those expectations, and not look at the whole team. And yeah, I I just think coaching. They're just gonna get out coached every game, and it's just it's gonna be a it's gonna be a dogfight for them. Excellent. So now we've covered all four teams, our takeaways of them. Now we're going to go through and we're going to do in reverse order how they're going to finish the division in our opinions. And again, we based our win-loss based on what Vegas has as of the recording of this episode. So who do you have for your fourth place team for the AFC North, Nathan? Yeah, so obviously based off my explanation here, just a second ago, I have Cincinnati keeping that fourth spot. Um, right now, Vegas has it at six and a half. That's just extremely high for me. Like I said, they, I, they, they, they haven't filled in some gaps. I felt like they should. I don't like the coaching. For them to win seven games this year is, um, I think, a tough task. They don't have like the easiest division as well. So I've got them winning five games and taking fourth place in this division. Yeah, I, I was alluding to it before. I'm not too high on it just because Zach Taylor was in sniff the same air. Sean McVay does not make him as good as Sean McVay, and I think these last few years have shown it. I think they're the bottom division as well, and I also had five wins. I just don't see them getting a six as well. Who do you have for your third team in this division? Yeah, I've been kind of flip-flopping here quite a bit, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh at three. I just think their age, especially 
with Ben is going to prevent them from winning more games. I still think Mike Tomlin continues to streak and have a winning record just barely, but I have them winning nine games, which is actually the over. Uh, Vegas has them at eight and a half right now. So I'm going to pick the over here, but just barely, and they're going to finish with nine wins. This is a team that seems to prove me wrong every time I count them down, but I also have the Pittsburgh Steelers only getting nine wins as well, third team in the division. Second team in the division, Nathan, who do you have? Uh, I've got the Ravens here, as I alluded to before. I mean, obviously, they're not a bad team, well-coached, deep team, great defense, great running game. They do a lot of things really, really well. But I think I have them uh, disappointing expectations. Uh, Right now, they're over-unders at 11 wins. I have them at ten. I have them going ten and seven. I think I think they struggle within their own division, uh, just because they're very one sided, very one dimensional. And so when you play teams twice, um, they know you very well. They know how to exploit weaknesses. So I think, especially Cleveland and Pittsburgh, they're going to be able to do that. Um, so they'll struggle there. But I have them. I have them winning ten games just because they're talented. Like they're the Bucks. They're, they're the Seventy Sixers. They're, they're going to be near the top, but. I don't see them going far in the playoffs. I also have the Ravens finishing second in the division, looking at their schedule. I also came to the conclusion, most likely them in Pittsburgh and them in the Browns are going to split their division games. Just that always seems to be how it is for that division. They take on Kansas City. They take on Seattle and a few other teams that just had me question, are they really going to be able to string together more than 11 wins? And this season, I don't think they do it as well. I also have 10 wins for the Baltimore Ravens. So we both have the Cleveland Browns at the top of this division, winning this division. What do you have the Cleveland Browns win total at this season? Yeah, so the over-under is at 9.5 right now, which that seems low to me. I have them blowing that out of the water. I have them winning 12 games, winning this division. I think Cleveland's played Baltimore well lately, and and then I, I think right now they just own Pittsburgh. I don't think... I, I can't get that playoff win out of my head in Pittsburgh. And I could see them maybe splitting with Baltimore, but sweeping Pittsburgh and Cincinnati going five and one in the division. I just, they're just super talented. They're super well coached. They're deep. I think Stefanski has utilized Baker in the right way. Um, this remind this, this Cleveland Browns team, I'll say it right now reminds me of the, the Ravens the Ravens team that won the Super Bowl. You're gonna have to remind me what year that was. But it's just Joe Flacco was quarterback, but just just a team that was deep, great defense, weapons on the outside, you know, at running back. But Harbaugh coached this team so well that, you know, Joe Flacco didn't have to carry this team. You know, he could they they could win games easily when Joe Flacco throws for 20 passes and 170 yards and one touchdown, right? Not Patrick Mahomes stats, but very conservative stats. Like just do your job, don't try to do too much because this team's so deep. We will do very well. We'll be Super Bowl contenders. And Baker to me is kind of like that. He's got limitations. But if you kind of focus in and game plan around what his strengths are and just be very conservative with them, they can be very, very well. And Stefanski did, did, that, did exactly that last year as opposed to the previous coaches with Baker to just kind of let him do whatever he wants, and it really made a fool of himself. So um, that, that's what this Browns team reminds me of is that Ravens team that won that Super Bowl several years ago. So I got 12 wins. 
and that would be the 2012 Super Bowl. I also have the Browns doing 12 wins. I really liked what they did last year with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that running duo. They really figured out the formula to take pressure off of Baker, feeling like he has to be the playmaker. He just needs to understand his reads and progressions, but knowing that he doesn't have to be the number one guy. He is their quarterback at this time, and they understand what his strengths and weaknesses are. I felt like they had a good flow and a good understanding of that throughout the season. Yes, there are some games they lost a higher amount to than what you would like to see, but I feel like overall they made great adjustments throughout the season. They just have that good combo with those two running backs. I know today's NFL doesn't really celebrate the running backs, but they are the unsung heroes of most teams. When you have two running backs that can contribute like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can, it gives you a lot of confidence, even if there's any kind of question marks on your defense, like the best defense is keeping your offense on the field and wearing down their defense to give yourself easy possession or easier possessions to score. So I see the Cleveland Browns as well winning 12 games as well in this upcoming season. So Nathan and I both actually have the same win totals and same order of teams. We have the Browns winning it, followed by the Ravens, the Steelers, and then the Bengals. We've hit a few topics today, talking about Ty Lue, talking about the injury situation in the NBA, and then also talking about Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Not Nathan, our host, but Nathan, whoever they named it after the brand, where we both said that Chestnut will end up breaking the hot dog eating record for the men's side. He said, Nathan said 76, I said 77. And on the women's side, we thought it was going to be a little short of whoever is going to do it since Sudo was going to be out due to her pregnancy. And then after looking at the divisions, we just recapped that. So that will put a wrap on our episode for tonight. Thank you so much for listening, folks. We are the Sports Forecasters, Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll talk to you next time.